0: Welcome, welcome to Mystical Musings, May 19th, 2013, here in the library at the Colorado Heights University, beaming out from the highest point in the Mile High City with Myron McClellan and me, Lawrence Phillips. Those of us who identify as spiritual, but not religious, non-sectarian, non-denominational, are the fastest growing demographic of the sacred communities in America today. Thank you for joining us today, creating our community of mystics, people seeking to obtain unity with God, the breath of life, the gentle whisper, the great spirit. As a community of mystics who believe and know spiritual apprehension of truths beyond the intellect i am because we are i am because we are one celebrating body and spirit mystery and wonder, the heart of the mystical path. We are called into the mystical by experiences of awe, of wonder, at the majesty of the divine. We are amazed and humbled and elated. We rejoice in the mystery, seeking to live in it more and more fully. We feed our awareness by spending time with nature and art and close friends. We meditate to access over and over the deepest parts of the mystery. We come to look at the everyday, the ordinary as magical, awesome, beyond beautiful, We give thanks each day that we live in such a wonder-filled world. Our amusing this month celebrates the joys and the wonders of the sacred path that we walk together. True presence is wondrous. Being here and now Not being in our heads. Not being with the filter of thought and monkey mind. Presence is a marvel, even miraculous. Letting go of the outer world concerns and entering the mystic realm evokes fascination. Bless you. Our embodied experience can often surprise, calling forth amazement and mysterious wonder. In order for us to get more fully present, more fully present, can you be more full? Fullier? In order for us to get fullier, to get here and now, Let us come into our bodies, a process made much easier by awareness through movement. So if you're relying upon your eyes right now a lot, soften the eyes, very soft eyes, as if looking through diaphanous curtain. And slightly deepen your breathing. By using awareness through movement, we open to our extraordinary human capacity to learn. We turn around ourselves better than any creature on the planet, so movement and specifically turning qualifies as wondrous. Let's turn around ourselves now. Remembering, so many of you, that the turning initiates in your pelvis, so one knee goes backwards. You might want to uncross your legs if they're crossed, unencumber your lap if there's stuff there. And you're just letting your knees go backwards alternately and turn your pelvis a little bit from side to side. Noticing as you turn what you become aware of starting the movement in your hips gently let the hip rotation turn you from side to side slowly gently easily if you tire just rest but if you can explore exploring gently and smoothly Letting go of any extra holding, especially in your mouth and jaw. Sensing the smoothness through your skeleton, our infrastructure for action. Keep letting go of any tension in the jaw, allowing yourself to breathe just a little more fully. Slow, almost Tai Chi-like motion that you're actually, either doing actually or in your mind. You can think the movement if you want. Noticing that one side will turn a little more easily than the other side. You'll go a little farther on one side as compared to the other. Pausing momentarily back in neutral looking forward noticing what you become aware of in the relative stillness. Aside from stretching and trying harder, how do we refine and learn more deeply this fundamental human action of turning? We know a little more now about the fact that we turn on our central axis so extraordinarily This and our wonderful prefrontal lobes guarantee us dominance on the planet. Let's get curious about going a little deeper using embodied learning. This time when you turn from side to side, let your eyes stay relatively straight ahead. Let your eyes find some point to look at straight ahead and turn your body from your knees around your eyes. So the eyes stay fixed. And notice how it is to adapt to this slight change. Can you still have a smooth and easy and flowing action in your body, either in reality or in your mind only? You can think the movements, thereby firing the neurons and the muscle fibers connected. You can think the action, or you can do it or alternate. And pausing again, back in neutral, just noticing your breathing, sensing. Can you allow the breathing to come up from your toes, not just in your mouth or your nose? Can your your toes start the breath? And again now, come back and just test for a moment with your head going with the motion. The knees initiate, the pelvis starts the action at the knees, and just let the head go with the action for a moment, following the twisting in your spine, noticing can you still breathe a little more fully as you be embodied in action. and come back to neutral again and pause, just noticing the quality of your presence that you are sculpting in action and in stillness, noticing breathing from as low down as you can find it in your body. So we learn in our bodies by creating changes from the original pattern. This we call differentiating. For example, we differentiate the use of the eyes from the head, as we just did. Let's try one more. This time, let your pelvis turn so that you go to your right and fix your hips there for a moment and turn your head and shoulders to your left. So now you've got your pelvis to the right and your head and shoulders to the left. Now you can either do this sequentially or simultaneously. If it's confusing simultaneously, first do the hips and then do the shoulders. You're gonna turn the hips in the opposite direction and the shoulders in the opposite direction. And keep on doing this pattern whereby your hips are moving in one direction And your head and shoulders and eyes are moving in the opposite direction. As smoothly, easily, comfortably as you are able to create for now. The quality of the action is of paramount importance. Breathing, softening, moving easily. Excellent. You're now beginning to walk, sitting. It's the walking action, opposite shoulder to hip. Good, and come back to the center. Ah, <sighs> maybe a sigh or two. Ah, uh uh, maybe a sigh or two. <sighs> ah, ah, <laughs> good. Wonderful, wonderful. (laughs) When I was visiting in Manitou Springs recently at their fabulous rock shop, I found a wonderful namaste sign. I don't know if you've seen it. It, You can come up and look afterwards. But I want to read to you what I discovered that day when I was looking for gems. (laughs) And I found a gem. Namaste. I honor the place in you in which the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, of peace. When you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste.
1: So wonderful to see all of you today and be with some of my favorite people in the world. This is such a blessing. I just revel in it. I want you to know. And I have some of my oldest and dearest friends. We've been together since the 70s. It's so awesome. And my newest and dearest friends. It's just an amazing blessing. And I am filled with wonder when I look out at you, send my love to you, and feel your love coming back to me. This is a definition of wonder, an experience of wonder that's very hard to put in words. So I'll just use that one word again. Namaste. Sitting now in our own personal radiance. Sitting in our own personal magnificence. Sitting in joy, sitting now in wonder, in our own sense of wonder. Sitting now in the blue flame of God's will. Sitting now in the rose pink flame of unconditional love. Sitting now in the emerald green color of health and wealth. Sitting now in the gold purple flame of resurrection. Sitting now in the white flame of transformation. The white flame of ascension. Sitting now in the violet flame of transformation. Sitting now in the yellow flame of Divine Wisdom. Sitting now in our own personal radiance, and gratitude for divine grace. Sitting now with hearts open in a sea of love.
0: After silence, that which comes nearest to expressing the inexpressible is music. Aldous Huxley. Remember to keep listening with the wonder of the body, not just the ears. Listening with a deeper breath, softer eyes, And wherever you've mapped that tends toward unconscious tension, keep letting go. So listening actively. The following are some of the fundamentals about the wonder of music, and especially Myron's mystic music. From W.H. Auden. Music is the best means we have for digesting time. Counterpoint, Bob Marley. One good thing about music, when it hits you, you feel no pain. Music is a moral law. It gives soul to the universe, (coughs) wings to the mind, flight to imagination, and charm to life. As far back as Plato. From Victor Hugo, music expresses that which cannot be said and on which it is impossible to be silent. And lastly, from one of the great masters, Beethoven, music is a higher revelation than all wisdom and philosophy. Says Socrates, wonder is the beginning of wisdom. Astonishment before the world is what Plato and Aristotle thought of as wonder, that which shatters our taken-for-grantedness of our everyday life. So wonder shatters our taken-for-grantedness of our everyday life. Wonder is the unwilled willingness to meet what is utterly strange in what is most familiar a willingness to step back and let things speak to us. Wonder clears our mind of the concerns of everyday clutter, often often rendering us speechless, taken in by wonder. Wonder reveals, wonder reveals things in a new light. Wonder, often unbidden, is not fully anticipated. Wonder in the face of which we are silent. Wonder astonishes, mingled with perplexity or bewildered curiosity. As many of you know from our constant contact email notices that we send out for these meetings, I'm a gardener, a lover of flowers, which for me are one of the proofs of the existence of God. As the springtime unfolds, I walk amongst the tulips and the hyacinths, the irises and the honeysuckles, noticing, noticing, noticing their vivid beauty, the forms, the fragrances, the subtlety of colors, the contrast to the space around. Often in the garden, I feel embraced by the flowers, not the thought of flowers embracing, but the flowers themselves presenting to me an uncommon immediacy, a wholeness, accompanied by joy and delight. I have then a direct relationship with the flowers, we are immediately connected, we are one. The experience of wonder in the garden is akin to the experience of a baby breaking into a smile, evoking wonder which strikes but does not hurt the heart. Counterbalancing the world's ills, I am often heart struck in the garden with moments of sublime contemplation for nature's wonders. Rumi reminds us, only from the heart can you touch the sky. Only from the heart can you touch the sky. Eckhart Tolle elaborates, when you don't cover up the world with words and labels, a sense of the miraculous returns to life. From Alice Walker in The Color Purple. I think us here to wonder myself, to wonder, to ask. And that in wondering about the big things and asking about the big things, you learn about the little ones almost by accident. But you never know nothing more about the big things than you start out with. The more I wonder, the more I love. from the scientist Richard Dawkins. The feeling of odd wonder that science can give us is one of the highest experiences of which the human psyche is capable. It is the deep aesthetic passion to rank with the finest that music and poetry can deliver. It is truly one of the things that makes life most worth living and it does so if anything more effectively if it convinces us that the time we have for living, is quite finite. And finally, again from one of the great masters, Albert Einstein. The most beautiful thing we can experience is the mysterious It is the source of all true art and science. He to whom the emotion is a stranger who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead, his eyes closed. The insight into the mystery of life coupled, though it be with fear, has also given rise to religion. To know what is impenetrable to us, to know what is impenetrable, to, <laughs> to, this is impenetrable, to know what is impenetrable to us really exists, manifesting itself as the highest wisdom and the most radiant beauty, which our dull faculties can comprehend only in their most primitive forms. This knowledge, this feeling, is at the center of true religiousness. Namaste, I honor the place in you in which the entire universe dwells. I honor the place in you which is of love, of truth, of light, of peace. When you are in that place in you and I am in that place in me, we are one. Namaste.
1: In the classical mystical experience, one is so filled with the divine presence that he or she forgets who they are. The personality is left behind and we discover really who we are. And we have thought that we were our personalities and now we know we are our soul. And we know our soul is the same as everyone else's soul in the universe and we know that there is no difference between us and an animal and a plant, any sentient being, which is any being on this planet because everything has consciousness. Even the electron has consciousness and makes choices. Everything is alive in God. Everything is alive in what Martin Heidegger called being itself. Heidegger says, we are all just standing out and being, and everything in every moment is standing out and being. In this experience, we feel that we have discovered the truth, the beauty, the meaning, the depth, the oneness, We know what the word God means. We know what the word grace means. We know what ultimate means. Ultimate beauty, truth, wonder, joy. And we stand amazed in the presence of the divine. Amazed. Amazed, blown away. In a sense of wonder that just cannot even be talked about. And as we move out of the mystical experience and come back into our personalities, our personalities have been changed. They are never the same after we have seen. After we have seen into the depth, we are permanently changed. It is a transformation. It is a transfiguration. We are different. And when we come back, we know that what our minds tell us is the truth is only an approximation. And we come back knowing only one thing. And we know that more than we know I'm standing here talking to you. We know that is the single truth, and that single truth cannot be put into words. It can be put into music, into art, into poetry, but we can never really express it with our conscious minds. And it has such beauty and wonder and joy to us that it is the definition of all those things. And those, when we then go to nurture our sense of wonder, which is what we always want to do. We always want to do as we're awakening, we want to nurture that. And so we meditate because we want to get back to the pure consciousness, to pure stillness, to the state of being that doesn't have anything in it. It's simple. It's just what is. And so we go for this stillness the silence within ourselves to nurture that sense of wonder. And then we learn to pray with a sense of wonder. The kinds of prayers we've been talking about this semester, the Ho'oponopono, I am so sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Thank you. Our prayers for other people. When we pray for other people and we pray for the world. And then when we are praying for the world and sending our love out to all conscious beings on the planet, then we take a moment and feel all that love coming back to us. We feel the world loving us. This doesn't take... More than a few minutes. And when you, and three times a day I do this. So I can feel how loved I am by the world as I put that out. As we prayed for Anita, who had a miraculous, miraculous event, medical event. We sent her love. We sent her the Ho'oponopono. And we felt her love coming back to us in that beautiful sense of oneness and unity. That's what simple consciousness is. There's only one thing. Our ordinary minds have many things and need to. And so we want to go to that simpleness as much as we can. And we all have our own sense of what brings wonder to us. So Lawrence and I love going to the symphony, going to the opera, going to chamber music, concerts, piano recital, classical music. We loved going to the mountains and need to go to the mountains from time to time to really bring that sense of wonder and joy and spaciousness into our wonder again. And as you stand in really spacious spaces, as you go across South Park, your mind wants to just unwind, your consciousness wants to unwind and fill the whole valley. That's wonder, that's wonder. And being close to people, having intimacy, loving and being loved and being aware that we're loving and being loved is so rich and full. It is just absolutely awesome. And Martin Buber, in speaking about intimacy in his book, I and Thou, we've talked about quite a bit here, where we have an I-thou relationship with someone, we are a different person. We are the person that we are only in that moment, and it is exalted state of awareness. We're not in the I-it, which is what we are, say, to the, to the lawn guy as he comes in or someone who doesn't have a relationship with us, just casual things. Or as we're relating to ordinary things, we have an I-it. But when we are in deep communion with another person, that beauty and joy of that is so magnificent that Buber says, in all those encounters, the eternal thou, expresses itself. This is how the eternal thou keeps expressing ourselves. And that intimacy can be with a pet. It can be with a tree. It can be with a river. It can be with a magnificent boulder. It can be with a crystal. But we know that it is coming from the divine if there is a true sense of wonder and a true sense of awe. That is the realm of the divine. In the early part of the 20th century, there was a a German philosopher, theologian, and a professor of systematic theology and comparative religions. And he wrote a book called The Idea of the Holy, which was published in 1913, is still selling very well. What he says is that when we have a true sense of awe, then we know we're in the divine presence. And he calls that realm of the divine presence the numinous. So anything that has for us a quality of holiness or sacredness is the realm of the numinous. Now, the other realm that he talks about is the realm of the phenomenal. So there's that phenomenon, there's that phenomenon, there's that object, there's that. So that's what we perceive with ordinary consciousness. So in the mystical experience, we're in the realm of the numinous. And then we come back to the phenomenal world, but we come back transfigured. Now, these are very useful words, because I think what we're doing in the new era, now that we're doing this thing together that is so incredible and magnificent and wonderful, is we're collapsing the numinous and the phenomenal, right? That distinction is not made anymore, right? The ordinary life is the miraculous. The phenomenal world is the numinal world. And all we need to do is look out at a tree and see it smiling or see the aura of it. To, as Lawrence says, go out in our garden. And my goodness, it is so sacred. And this is what I think we're evolving toward now is really living always in the phenomenal noumenal non-distinction. That's one of the things we don't wanna discern. So I was thinking that's the real wonder of this new consciousness. It's the real wonder of it, and so that we don't move. You know, when I was a baby mystic, I just wanted to move from, you know, great ecstatic experience to great ecstatic experience, and then kind of everything in between was tawdry. However, divine grace saw to it that uh, saw to it that um, I was assigned to teach at Princeton that year, medieval religious thought. And I had planned I was going to write, you know, so the syllabus was like Thomas Aquinas, Averroes. So both, he was the uh, the Islamic scholar of his day, and they were both very Aristotelian. So I changed the syllabus right away to Teresa of Avila, St. John of the Cross, and I only taught mysticism. So I brought it into my life, and I brought it into my world, but I could still say, oh, I don't know about that. And there's still, when people have awakenings, there is still some kind of notion that you can't return to the ordinary world. But what you do is you return to the ordinary world, including fixing your sink, paying your bills, making your to-do list, doing your gardening, everything out of that wonder. And in that sense of awakeness and awareness, okay? So, um, again, to nurture this, we do all of these things to rejuvenate the sense of the miraculous in our life so that we can see the extraordinary number of miracles that happen each day in our life. All of life becomes miraculous. And it's really, you, you know, as you bring that divine presence down into the moment and down into the present, down into the now, and now into your everyday life, you're a walking mystic and you're walking in miracle, but you're grounded. You can pay your bills. You can drive a car. You can operate heavy machinery. You can do,
2: <laughs> you can do
1: any of that, but you do it out of sense of wonder. So I've said here before that any quantum leap, which is what we're doing now, except that it's a series of them, and they keep happening, is a leap in awareness and consciousness, but more fundamentally, it is a leap in the ability to give and receive love, okay? Bottom line, that's what it's about. Bottom line, right? We've known that, I mean, Jesus was so into that. He said, only thing you need to do is love God, love the other people and love yourself. It's all one thing. That threefold love commandment is a one-fold love commandment because you cannot truly love the other unless you honor and respect yourself. And you cannot truly love God unless you're loving yourself and other people and you're filled with love. That love, that ability to love comes from the divine presence. It is inherent in all of us. We were conceived in love. We are brought forth in love. We are nurtured in love because that is the fundamental essence of our lives. And that's just an amazingly wonderful, miraculous thing. It's all about love. St. Augustine in the 400s said, when asked about ethics and morality, he said, love and do whatever you wanna do. (laughs) Cause that's the bottom line because anything that's done in love is a sacred act. And we stand amazed at how deep that love can be. And so in some of my meditations, many of my meditations, over the years, I simply sit and think about all the people I love. And then I think about how all those people love me. I I am just so moved with that. And that was my that's been my meditation, that was my morning meditation today, because I think of all of you. And I feel all of you sending me that love back. And then all of us realizing that we're living in the sea of love all the time, that is creating creating everything, it is comforting us, it is uplifting us, it is making us shout with joy. This is the good news. This is the gospel, and it is a wonder beyond wonders. A wonder beyond wonders that we love one another so dearly and so deeply. I love you.